You look kind of like, are the Methodist police going to show up if I <laughs> clap? Okay, glad y'all are here. I'm Rick Ivey, and uh, we are continuing on in a sermon series that I started earlier this year. And uh, we talked in the first week about how our salvation is a free gift. It's something that Christ gives to us, uh, even if we don't deserve it or that we have not made anything that would make us think we can achieve it. But rather, it's a free gift that God gives us. And uh, I shared with you that once that decision becomes part of our life, that we want to follow Christ, we want to know more about Christ, that one of the best things that we can do is begin to read our Bibles, read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and continue on and make that a daily habit. And last week we talked about prayer and how that connects us and helps God to begin to work upon our hearts and shape us into the image of Christ. And so those are the three things that we've covered so far. And today we're going to talk about something that's uh, probably the most important part of us being a church. And to do so, I'm going to read the scriptures that will be on the screen. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It's what's known as the Great Commission. Happens right after Jesus has been resurrected and he shares his instructions with his disciples. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the present age. So that's the scripture we're going to consider this morning. And um, however, when I talk with people about this particular passage, it's kind of uh, surprising how many people struggle with just that basic concept uh, that Jesus gives each and every Christian, each and every person who is a follower of Christ, that work, that task to make disciples. And it's so important and it's so central to who we are as a people that when the United Methodist Church wrote down their mission statement, then of course they said, our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Uh, but when you begin to talk about it and you ask the simple question of, well, how does somebody make a disciple, right? Or what exactly is a disciple? My experience um, is that most people kind of have a, a funny or vague idea of what that would be like. And um, we certainly could agree that being a disciple is more than raising our hand at the end of a sermon to make a decision. It's more than being baptized. It's, it's more than making a choice. All those things are important and we need to celebrate them. But when I think about being a disciple, the word that comes to mind most easily is being an apprentice. If you wanted to learn a skill or a craft or a way of life, uh, you could go to somebody who, who does it, and hopefully you would find somebody who does it well. And you would go to them and you would say, teach me. Teach me how to, how to be a baker or butcher or candlestick maker, whatever the case might be, and that they would show you. They would walk you through the steps. They would say, this is how it's done. Uh, this is where your biggest mistakes are going to be, and they would teach you over time, right? And then eventually, you would begin to take on that work, and they would watch over you, and eventually, you understand completely how it's done. And Jesus' task is, is what? The salvation of the world, to bring about the salvation of the world. And he invites us to be part of that work. He says, come, follow me, and you'll be a disciple, You'll be somebody that's learning how things get done, how God wants to save the world. That's pretty easy, isn't it? Okay, we can go home, right? Y'all are clear? All right. So he says, go, go make disciples. Um, and when we think about, well, why does it matter? Right? 
That seems to be the biggest struggle that, that people face today, is they can say, well, we, we're pretty good on being an apprentice of Jesus, would help us be a disciple. We look at the things that he would do, we follow those, we pay attention to what he doesn't do, and we, we don't do those things either, right? And that um, it'll go well. Those are clear. The question would be, would be why? why? Why is it significant that we help people become disciples of Jesus Christ? Now, for me, I got to a place in my life, I won't say it's always been the case, but for me, the answer is very simple. I believe Jesus is the way and the truth of the life, that nobody comes to the Father except through Him, that it is an eternal significance when people make a decision and follow Christ, that it puts them on the path to eternal life, or if they refuse Christ, it is that they are making a decision to spend eternity apart from God, okay? And like I said, that, that's not always the case or hadn't always been the case for me. It's something that I got to. I used to believe, like many people do, and say, oh, God would never. No, there's no way God would do that to somebody. May God make them spend eternity apart from him. And yet when you read Jesus' words, it's, it's very clear to me that that was significant to him as well. And so my life and my heart has changed in that regard. Uh, but when I talk with people that are in the churches that I've served, um, Methodists in particular, they kind of be a little bit fuzzy about all that. They say, oh, I'm not so sure. I'm not convinced. And so what I want to challenge you with today, I think in the first case, if it is a matter that you believe Jesus is the difference between somebody spending eternity in heaven or spending eternity apart from God, then you have a very clear reason as to why you would want to help people become disciples. That, that's pretty straightforward. If you had a friend who had a horrible incurable disease and you had the cure, you would do everything you could in order to help them to receive that, right? Unless you're completely evil, right? Are y'all with me? Y'all are really struggling, huh? But if you're not real clear on that, then I just ask you a simple question, and you don't have to answer out loud, and it may not be one that you can answer straight off today, but sometime today, I hope you'll take a moment to write it down. It's this simple question. What difference has Jesus made in your life? Okay? Even if you are not convinced of heaven and hell, what difference has Jesus made in your life? And it may be the case that you are here for the first time today and you're still struggling or learning or whatever, but if you've been following Christ for a while, then just answer that simple question to yourself and maybe write it down later. Say, what, what difference has he made in my life? And usually when I talk with people about that, they begin to have answers for it. Usually they can give me things like, well, I used to have a life where I was terribly ashamed of who I was, but because of how Jesus has worked in my life, I'm no longer ashamed and fearful of what other people think of me. Or they might say something like, I, I used to feel like God was distant and far off, but because of Jesus Christ, I begin to understand that God is present in my life, that he, I'm connected to him in a, a really powerful way. Uh, they will say things like, well, he gives me peace. He gives me hope. I didn't used to look at the world and think that there was anything that could get better, but because of Jesus, I have the hope to get out of bed and try again the next day. You know, over and over again, if you give people time, sometimes you have to give Methodists a little bit more time, right? But they'll come up with an answer and they'll say, because of what Jesus has done, my life was changed. Maybe in a small way at first, but over time, significant. 
And so how would you answer that question? What is it that comes to mind for you? Right? And, and it's so important that you have that written down and you think about that because it's, it's way more important than you, you could possibly imagine. To be able to tell somebody, this is the difference that he's made in my life, is so powerful. Because just think about it. You know, what if, what if the case was that you came to church and you went to one of the Financial Peace University classes that this church offers from time to time, and you managed to get yourself out of debt. You know, you cut up your credit cards, you got the debt snowball going, you, you did all those things, and finally your family was relieved because you were debt-free or you got to a place where at least your debt was manageable, right? And, um, and that was your good news. You know, at the end of it all, Dave Ramsey says, well, let me tell you about Jesus, right? And um, if, if that was the case for you, then I can guarantee you there's somebody else in your neighborhood or in your workplace or somebody you know that's in debt as well, right? And you will, all of a sudden, you have good news that you can share with somebody that might lead them closer to Christ. Or, or maybe it is that Jesus helps your marriage. Or maybe it is that Jesus helps you after you went through a divorce or a loss or a hard time and you recognize clearly and you say, there is no way I could have made it through that without him. And there's somebody that's near you or that you know that is going through something exactly like that. I mean, what if it's, it's just something as simple as you have a coworker that is just impossible to work with, and somehow, because of Jesus speaking to you on a daily basis, right, because you got up in the morning and you prayed like, dear Jesus, help me not to end that person's life, right, or whatever your prayer was, you made it through, you know? And there's other people just like that. And, and what I want you to just consider is that whether it's in your work or in your neighborhood or in your family or whatever the case might be, over and over again, you and I have the opportunity to share a piece of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we do so. So important. Because it made such a huge difference. I mean, if you just put it on simple terms, you know, when I was, when our kids were younger, I still remember, like, uh, we would go out to eat every once in a while, and there was a local restaurant that, where kids ate free on Tuesday night, right? Which is huge. If you like to go out to eat and you have kids, and you, you go out and you pay the first bill for you and three kids, and you're like, I need to take out a second mortgage, right? It's that expensive. And then to know that on Tuesday nights, kids ate free at Denny's or wherever it was, you, you can bet I was telling other parents that I knew. It was like, did you know? <laughs> Tuesday nights, kids eat free. And it should be that simple when we talk about our faith. I mean, when people are struggling or hurting, you say, well, well, did you know? This is what Jesus taught. This is how we can work our way through it. So, what is your good news? What is it that you talk about when you say that Jesus is a significant part of your life. How has he helped you? How has he changed you? Now, when we think about our task and our work, um, Jesus says what? Go and make disciples of all nations. And when you think about that, about sharing that good news, um, I just want to be clear on this. Whose job is that? It's yours. It's your job. It's your job. That's who he's talking to when he says, go make disciples of all nations. It's you. I know y'all are all thinking, well, hey, what do we pay Rick for? 
Um, I drink coffee, pray, read the Bible, and talk to people. That's, that's my, my task in life. I am the bench. I am plan B. I am second string. I am who does the job when nobody else will do it, right? Your job is to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ. And you can say, oh, that doesn't seem fair. Oh, that doesn't seem right. Okay, well, Jesus gave you that job. That is your task. That is your goal. And we've already talked about the why. Either it's a matter of eternal significance or you have some good news that you can share with other people. But either way you look at it, it, it's your job. It's your task. In fact, it's the most important thing we do as a people is to help people become disciples of Jesus Christ. Most important thing we do. We may love our church for the friends that we make or the meals that we eat or the music that we hear, but at the end of the day, all of it rests on the question of are we making disciples of Jesus Christ? Are we helping people become followers of Christ? That is the significant, the most important thing that we do, and it's what everything else we do is judged by, right? We could have the best music, and if we're not making disciples of Jesus Christ, it really doesn't matter. Have the most comfortable, cushy seats in the world. But if we're not making Jesus Christ disciples, it really does not matter. It is the biggest job we have and the most important one that we have. How are you doing with it? I know that's a tough question. It's not something that we always like to ask. But, but how are you doing with that work? Jesus said, I will make you fishermen of men. I don't know about you, but if you knew somebody that was in the fishing industry and they hadn't caught any fish in a year, they might want to rethink what they're doing, right? Church. So how can you do it? Well, what I've found is if you are the ones that are in in on that job, if that is your task, what I have seen over and over again is that this happens by you inviting people into your life, inviting them to church, inviting them to be a part of what you do on your daily life. That is what I've seen to be the most effective way to do it. And I'll just share with you from my own testimony, in order for me to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, for me to really get to a place where I said, I am a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, it took, like that video pointed out, it took a lot of people. There were countless Sunday school teachers that did their best. There were youth pastors that did their best. And really, it took the work of two pastors to, to really begin to shape and move my heart in the right direction. And when I say pastors, these are people that I heard preach each and every week. And I'll be honest with you. I can remember one sermon from each of them. And I went to church regularly, okay? And I heard them preach each and every week. And I can tell you that each of those pastors, I remember one sermon, one sermon only. Well, two, two from one of them, all right. One of the sermons that I remember from the first pastor that I can think of was he did a sermon on Lazarus. And if y'all remember that story in the, new, in the King James, it says, he stinketh much, right? He's been in the crypt, he stinketh much. And the sermon he finished off with, he's like, what stinks in your life? And that has always stuck with me. I was like, that's a good question, what stinks? And the other pastor that I remember, one sermon I remember was because he got up to preach a sermon he had prepared and he didn't like it enough to do it. And so he said, God's grace is free. He served communion and we all went home. One sentence sermon. I know you're thinking, that sounds like a good one. One good sermon. 
God's grace is free. The second one that I remember from him was over giving, and it, it just completely changed my perspective on giving. I remember two sermons from, from those people, or two or three. What I remember most about them is sitting with them, talking with them, them praying with me, them teaching me, them going to movies with me, eating meals, activities. They invited me into their life, and they welcomed me, and they cared about me. And when we talk about making disciples of Jesus Christ, this is what I'm pointing out to you, is that I'm happy to help you, I'm happy to equip you, but really what it comes down to is the question of who is it that I need to invite into my life? Who is it that I need to share a meal with? Who is it that I need to encourage to come to church or a Bible study? Surely you and I have at least two to three people in our contact list that we could reach out to, right? You say, well, what would that conversation look like if it happened, you know, if I successfully invited them over or we had lunch or whatever? And I'll say, it is so easy these days. Tragically, it is so easy to get into that conversation because I don't know about you, but, you know, most of the meals I have with, with people in the church or otherwise, it usually begins with something about the weather. And then lately, there have been so many tragedies, haven't there? And they say something to the effect of, what do you think that person was thinking? What do you think that they were thinking when they took those other students' lives or when they killed those people in the club? What do you think was going through their head? And if I'm paying attention, if I'm not focused on my sandwich, right, I'll say something to the effect of, that's the oldest story in the Bible. Genesis chapter 3, one of the oldest stories in the Bible, is the story of Cain and Abel. Y'all know that story? Adam and Eve had two kids, Cain and Abel, and they were brothers. And the story goes that Cain's job was tending to livestock. And then his brother Abel was a farmer or a gardener. He raised crops. And the story goes that one day it was time to bring their sacrifice, their offering to God. And Cain, he brought up some of his livestock, some of the fat, he placed it on the altar. And his brother Abel, younger brother, comes forward. He places his crops upon the altar. And the story doesn't give a whole lot of explanation as to why, but it says, and God favored Abel's offering more than Cain's. Now, Cain does a good thing at first. He's upset, he's mad, because why in the world is the little brother's offering better than his? He brought meat, his brother brought vegetables. How in the world could God find that to be more acceptable? And so he goes to the Lord in prayer and he says, hey, what's going on? And God, I'll be honest, doesn't give the most loving response. Instead, God speaks to Cain and he says, you need to do the right thing. If you don't do the right thing in this moment, then you're going to invite sin into your life and it's going to rule over you. And of course, Cain doesn't do the right thing. He invites his brother out into the field and he murders him. And when you say, well, how does that apply to the tragedies today? Well, look at the story. I mean, Cain is somebody that says, my best sacrifice, my best effort is not the one that everybody likes. It's not the most favored one. It's not the one that was pleasing. Instead, somebody who who, who doesn't do very much at all. He's the one that gets the favor. He's the one that gets the blessing. And Cain becomes jealous. He becomes envious. He becomes hateful. And he takes his brother's life. 
And I say it applies so much because when you go back and you read the, the accounts of Columbine and some of those other things, what do those people say? They say, I could not stand another moment of those people who were popular, who were doing so well, who everybody liked, and they didn't appreciate me. And so I got my revenge. And from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, you see that same thing play out over and over and over again. And it's not until Jesus Christ that we find somebody that says, I have a different way of living this life, of being in this world. Rather than being bitter and angry about what we don't get or what we don't have or being jealous of what others have, let me show you the way that leads to life. And what does he do? He gives his life as sacrifice and offering. He who is innocent, who had done no wrong, gave his sacrifice, his offering on our behalf, and it changed everything from then on. And all you gotta do is share a story like that, buy their lunch, tip well, and watch and see what God does next. That is our job. That is our task. It is sacred, it is holy, and it is so important. And all we have to do is start. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, you know us so well. You know our hearts, you know our excuses, you know the things that we get so caught up in that we lose sight of what's most important. Forgive us, Lord, be gracious to us. And help us, Lord, to be a, a people who are about the work of making disciples. Help us to take those first steps to our neighbor's door or have those difficult conversations with the people that we love so dearly. For it is through you and through your son, Jesus Christ, that we can find salvation. All this we pray and ask in